As believers, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. But does this mean that we are to distance ourselves from the social and political issues of the world? Or is it our responsibility to engage in these issues in an effort to affect change for the cause of Christ? In today's episode of Hardcore Christianity, Justin and I will attempt to answer the question, should Christians engage in political and social issues? We'll examine statistics highlighting the state of American opinions on polarized issues. We'll discuss whether current efforts to affect political and social change are effective. And we'll explore whether the Bible encourages us to engage in political and social issues or if our level of engagement should be to step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. If you've ever been on the fence as to whether Christians should engage in political and social issues, you'll want to stick around for this episode of Hardcore Christianity. Well, I'm here with Justin. Justin, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Hardcore Christianity. I know it's been a while. Always a pleasure. (laughs) So this is another difficult episode. I know that we had talked about uh, political issues in the past in one of our previous episodes, but this one kind of looks more at the political and social issues and whether we should engage in those activities. So before we get started, I think we need to define what we mean by political and social issues. What would you say? Well, this was actually tough for me to answer because they, they, they cross in so many different ways, you know, but for me, I think at the basic level, you know, social issues are really just, you know, any problem that can affect a lot of people in society, right? Whereas political <clears throat> is really more relating to kind of government and things that they're going to solve and how they might solve those. That's where they kind of intersect, though. Mm-hmm. So many of society's problems the government kind of intervenes and, and wants to try to correct, or we expect the government to kind of uh, intervene and, and correct those issues. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit nuanced. It's somewhat almost the same definition, but uh, that's kind of the way I've, I've treated it. Yeah, I actually wanted to make sure that we differentiated between the two because to me, they are two different definitions. I'll kind of go over what the dictionary kind of says about each one. So the dictionary kind of points out a political issue as relating to the state, government, public administration, public policy making, etc. And to me, that kind of looks at the need for change or enforcement in the law or the policy, which is kind of what you you pointed out to. And then the social, the difference between that and social is that social is relating to society and its org- and its organization. So the need for change uh, to change a moral or a communicative issue. So I think we're kind of on the same page yeah. there where um, political, of course, is more government focused and um, social is more uh, need for moral change or a, communica- a community change. So, so yes, yeah, so I think that's how we're going to approach it in this episode, which I think is a good um, distinction between the two. So why are we even asking this question? Why would you say that this is an important question to, to tackle? Well, as you said in the opening, you know, this was uh, an issue that we, we tackled, a, you know, a closely aligned issue uh, that we've tackled in a previous episode. And, um, you know, if I recall in that episode, I think I stated that, you know, the, the climate of division and, and just um, politics could not get any, any worse. Mm-hmm. And here we sit, you know, a year or so later and Honestly, I look back at that and I'm thinking it's a lot worse yeah. uh, now. And, and maybe that's just, you know, anecdotal in my head. Uh, maybe it's my emotion or my feeling. But, you know, I truly think we we have gotten worse. And the civility in politics, civility regarding social issues is just out, out the door. Um, 
And so even, even simple things, you know, social media, you know, everyone, most people, you know, these days have social media accounts and, you know, we all see kind of the, the social and political statements people make in those, those forums. And, and, uh, you know, we've, we've, I think many people could probably raise their hand and say, yeah, I've lost friends over posts that they've made or comments that they've made. Mm. And that's, you know, that's, that's really concerning, you know, and that's, it's kind of sad that, uh, we can't uh, kind of figure out a way to to be civil in those regards, um, and and be able to agree to disagree or disagree, you know, in a healthy fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I look at just you know issues and stats, right? I mean, some some key issues that are going on today. We look at like immigration or abortion, race relations is a huge topic at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and has been for a long time, um, and you know. Why we're so divided over those? I mean, if you look at the statistics themselves, we're almost 50-50 yeah. as far as Americans kind of what side of the fence they land on. And if you look at immigration, you know, I looked at a study uh, from 2019 that said, you know, 51% of Americans said immigration should be a top priority for President Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, if I look at abortion, you know, in a 2020 poll, uh, 46% of Americans identified kind of as pro-life and 48% were pro-choice. Very That's divided crazy, right yeah. down the middle yeah. of the line, which is, um, you know, really crazy. And then even race relations, you know, 46% of Americans said that uh, race relations should be a top priority for for Trump and for Congress. Um, and so just deeply, deeply divided as far as opinions go. Mm-hmm. I think what's different these days, I don't think that's, I mean, that probably ebbs and flows a little bit, um, you know, throughout the decades. Mm-hmm. But I think right now what's changing is our ability to remain civil. And I think that's what we can talk a lot about in this this episode. You know, I, I kind of went along. A, a lot of what you're saying is is what I had found and was was about to say as well. The disparity is almost right down the line. And I, I found uh, a lot of what you had already mentioned about the the close uh, split, almost 50-50. I, I also found um, about border con- uh, control was 58% of Americans uh, continue to oppose uh, sub- uh, substantially expanding the wall. Uh, so that was a big, a big point as well. And capital punishment, you probably didn't know this, but 60% of Americans believe the government should have po- the power to put a citizen to death. And so that's, you know, almost that's a pretty good um, um, split as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you already mentioned pro-life, but there's uh, the economic inequity. 60% of people believe that most people um, can make it on their own if they're just willing to work hard. So you have, as you said, uh, just this disparity between hot button issues, big issues, issues that... Um, will polarize our society. And I found the same thing. And, and I think that that is a good reason to uh, make a show about this because we as believers, do we have a role? Should we engage in these or should we uh, sit on the sidelines and, and just pray that the Holy Spirit will do all the work for us? So I'm glad we are talking about this um, today. Uh, but I do have a quote from gotquestions.com that I wanted to throw out as well. It says, uh, can you have political views outside the considerations of our Christian faith? The answer is no, we cannot. The Bible gives us two truths regarding our stance toward political and government issues. The first truth is that the will of God permeates and supersedes every aspect of our life. And the second is that we must grasp the fact that that government cannot save us, only God can. So, 
you know, I, I, I agree with a lot of that statement. Uh, but yeah, there, there are ways. I just think we can't really separate our belief system from how we would either vote or engage or how we would um, even think about how our society is moving forward and whether we should in- intervene or do our best to intervene. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So what are your personal thoughts um, as to a believer's role in taking a stand? Well, if, uh, let's just start off. For me, the debate is not whether we take a stand or not. Mm-hmm. It's it's more in the how we take a stand. Okay. Um, I, like you said, just from that quote, you know, I absolutely believe uh, we as Christians are called to take a stand and and um, you know have opinions on these issues, especially uh, ones where you know we're, we're directly going against the Word of God or uh, you know God's commanded us to do something different. Um, like I said before, I think the number one thing is we must be able to disagree, yet remain in fellowship. You know, and I think the times where, uh, you know, maybe something we're talking about is maybe heretical, you know, something against God's word, mm-hmm. you know, the how we disagree then maybe changes a little bit differently if if it's more of a, you know, secondary issue and not, not something that's directly, you know, against God. Uh, you know, but I think we get so caught up in being right or being uh, just cemented in our position, you know, we're not listening to the other side. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think some of our actions, you know, clearly are not driven by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're driven by our emotion. And, you know, I think we see every single day in social media and just our interactions with people, you know, that what does that lead to? It leads to anger, it leads to division, it leads to hate, it leads to, you know, losing friends and all that... Um, you know, is not what God would have for us. I mean, mm-hmm. he wants us to to make believers, especially if, if for, for you know, people we disagree with who aren't believers, you know, we need to be a light absolutely, uh, in the darkness, not more darkness, right? Absolutely. And, um, so that's, that's kind of the way I see it. And, you know, just to kind of back up kind of what I'm saying, I think biblically, you know, I, I, I used a, um, a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10, you know, it says, Paul is saying, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly uh, united in mind and thought. Now, this was within the, the Christian church, but you know there, there was division among the church, even and just like there is today. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, when I think we talk about these social and political issues, we're not talking about um, you know, believers and unbelievers. Right. These are divisions within the church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if you look at uh, specifically the context for 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul is talking about the divisions. They were divided about him. So, I mean, this was directly against him, and yet he responded not with anger, not with um, disdain for the other the other side. He, he you know, wrote this to the church and um, was appealing to them, exhorting them to, to, to not... Um, be divided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noticed that. I remember that you were the actually the one who brought this topic to my attention that we should do. And I thought that, you know, one of the reasons you did that is because of your Facebook feeds that you had seen and and the polarization there, and and you were surprised at some of the things people had written. Mm-hmm. Well, when I think about uh, the, this concept, mine is a little. I take a little different approach. Um, I look at it as two different things: um, the activism as a church. And the activism as a as an individual, because I do think that the church as a unit um, 
has a responsibility, and they set the tone for the moral compass of our society. And if we don't take a stand as a church, as a body, uh, then we're somewhat at fault for the direction of our country. That said, I don't think that any individual can really make that global, that big of a change, and you can correct me if, if, you, if you think I'm wrong, um, in our society. I think it has to be um, a, a collective uh, for, for our church. Uh, and I, when I say church, I mean the, the global church. And when we don't do that, when um, some believers stay on the sideline where other believers are trying to champion something, then it's less effective. James chapter 2, verse 26 says, faith without deeds is dead. So there's, you know, you can pray all you want, and I think that is good. We need to pray for change. We need to pray for God's uh, um, intervention in certain situations. But um, I think we also have a call to act as well. And Christianity Today asked the question in one of their articles, has the church failed to make a true effort to solve the social problems brought about um, by the Industrial Revolution um, of the past century? And I just, you know, I mean, the Industrial Revolution part, but um, yeah, I think that the church has failed in some respects to, to, to make a change. And then there's another um, quote that I got from uh, the Calvin Theological Journal, which I know you probably love that. <laughs> uh, and it says, uh, there are times during which the institutional church must speak out against social injustices. This institutional church should articulate in broad terms the proper goals that social policy should promote. For example, the church should speak out and work for a society that protects all citizens against the acts of violence is one example. So I agree with that theology, that thought, whereas we as a church should should move. And if we're not doing that, if, there, if um, leaders, church leaders are not um, championing or somebody, somebody who's leading the charge where other believers can get behind the movement, then I do think it's, it's less effective. But that said, I can, I, you know, I will, you know, admit that I have not really championed uh, and led the charge on social and political change or justice. I look at um, my role, at least up till now, as being one more of uh, just on a smaller scale, like helping a person or a family or affecting change at my job or my organization or the whole starfish, saving a starfish mentality where, you know, the kid is walking around all on the beach and there's a lot of starfish that are kind of dying on the shore and he picks up one and throws it in the, in the sea and says, well, you know, I'm not, I can't do much. I just, just, all I did is throw one. And then, you know, the whole idea is, well, you, you saved, you made a difference in that one. So if we can make the difference in one or two lives, I believe that, uh, that that is a, is a good thing. But I think there's a difference between that making a difference individually in just our, our sphere of influence and making the global difference where we're talking about abortion, you know, marching or voting or those kind of things, I think need to be um, championed by the church as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I agree, uh, you know, 100%, this has to be uh, a, a, you know, an effort from the church. You know, we all have different spiritual gifts. And I think just in the same way, you can't you can't disconnect the church from social and political issues. Our spiritual gifts need to be used, you know, for the furtherance of the kingdom. And and if you look at, uh, you know, when we when we talk to friends about heated issues or post to social media, I think we all want to have a voice. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying sometimes our spiritual <laughs> gifts isn't to have a voice; it's to to help in a different way. And so that's what I would challenge everybody with: is you know, look if if you're not somebody who remains calm in a debate, 
maybe, you know, you debating others is not something, you know, God is wanting you to do. Maybe he wants you to, 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 you know, be, offer an act of service, right? Or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. So yeah, I would, I would encourage people to look at their spiritual gifts and kind of help in the church in that way. Uh-huh. I agree with what you're saying. I, we're going to, we're going to hit on social media a little bit long, a little bit later in the episode, because I know that a lot of people use social media in the effort of trying to affect change. And we're going to talk a little bit about whether that's effective or not. Yeah. So what are some of the benefits and repercussions that you think are when someone tries to take a stand? Well, boy, this was a tough one to answer too. You know, if I look at, uh, you know, just biblically, you know, the disciples took a stand, right? And um, they didn't lead an easy life. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, they had suffering, they had imprisonment, they had, you know, some health issues. Uh, you know, so while we ask, you know, what, what benefits are there? You know, I think there is benefit in that stuff, in the, in the suffering. Um, but that's also the repercussions for taking a stand. Okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. you may lose friends. Sometimes you may, um, you know, you, you might have to take an unpopular stand, mm-hmm. But it depends on, to, to me, it's it's fully on where, you know, how you're taking that stand and, you know, where are you grounded um, morally or ethically and, and uh, you know, that needs to be biblical, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, taking a stand can cost us and lead to, lead to the things I said, suffering, persecution, rejection. Um, and once again, you know, uh, kind of thinking about Scripture, you know, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's that I think is uh, comforting, you know, in, in that um, suffering is is not a bad thing always. I mean, mm-hmm. it feels bad. It sounds counter counterintuitive to say right. that that persecution is something we should, um, you know, seek. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there is, uh, you know, God uses that to, to build us, to mold us. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at, you know, one, one, I'll do a plug here. You know, one of the organizations I, I always follow and uh, kind of keep tabs on is, is Voice of the Martyrs. You mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's a great organization. If, yeah. if people don't know about that, go look them up. But, you know, that's a that's a an organization that's you know their ministry is to support persecuted Christians worldwide, right? And um, that's that's a wonderful thing. And we think here in here in America that that we're persecuted or that we have suffered. It's like nothing compared to <laughs> right. um, some of the, the 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 people that 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 ministry supports in countries that are f- you know far more restrictive as far as uh, religious freedoms and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I mean I, now. Benefits-wise, if I want to think positive benefits, you know, I, I hit on a lot of negative <laughs> right, benefits, right. but I do consider them benefits. You know, the positive benefits is we absolutely, as a church body, can have massive change. I mean, we can, and by all means, we should be be doing it in a way that can bring people to Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, that this it's not um, one or the other. It's not that I'm going to go affect change in in race relations or abortion, and I'm, that's my motive is just that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, clearly we can have an impact there, but I sure hope we can be bringing people to Christ through that ministry mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, um, like I said, taking a stand on an issue and, and kind of winning the day, right? Right. Well, I, I think uh, what you said is just hits it hits the nail on the head, and I really agree and appreciate what you said about the, uh, the persecution part, because I think that um, believers in America 
um, want, and I, and I say this not having any data to back it up, but I assume that most or many Americans want a good, easy life, a comfortable life in America. And so when persecution is part of the equation, we oftentimes do shrink back at that. So when we do take a stand or do anything for Christ, even accepting Christ, we need to count the cost. And um, I agree with, with what you said. I, I think that the benefits are that you can positively affect someone's life. And that, to me, is, well, also just being obedient to Christ and, and being part of the kingdom plan is a good uh, benefit. But those are, one, are sometimes things that you won't see this side of heaven. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. Um, but it's something that I think should motivate us as believers to do what is right. And as, uh, like I said in James, you know, faith without deeds is dead. We need to, I think, back up our faith with action. And some of the repercussions are the ones that you said. I mean, I just think that one of the big ones is that you might be standing alone. Would you still take a stand if you're the only one standing? And so that's another thing that needs to be considered. All of the things that you're talking about uh, as far as the repercussions and the, and the persecution, um, we need to have that set in our minds before we take on a big cause or any cause that might um, that might cause some of these repercussions to, to raise their head because... You know we're gonna, you know, we need to count the costs and see if we're gonna, are we gonna actually uh, uh, follow this through, even when it gets hard. And on the larger scale, you may never see the fruit. I mean, if you're gonna be marching in a movement or, uh, you know, putting tape over your mouth uh, to, 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 as, and standing in front of an abortion clinic or something like that, I mean, you may never know if your actions had done anything or, or see any fruit. Even if you try and help someone on an individual basis, you might not know. You may never find that out. And that can be tough uh, for some, especially when you try and help someone and, and, you, and your perception is they're continually slapping your hand away. And so you don't know if uh, what's happening. I mean, your prayers and your actions are in, in step with one another, but you may not, God may not reveal that to you. Um, so... Those are things, but the, which leads me to my next question, which is, is there any evidence that engaging in political or social issues actually makes a difference, either, you know, physically or spiritually? Yeah, I mean, just, just like you said, we may see some fruit uh, from that, and we may not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that can be a discouragement sometimes, but it shouldn't be, uh, as you said. You know, God can absolutely use us and grow us through our engagement in these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of, I mean, you mentioned abortion, right? I mean, there's different ways to, if you're, if you're standing outside of a clinic and, you know, you've, you've got, I think, you know, groups that, that might be more in your face, screaming signs, you know, I, I don't know how helpful that is. That might drive people away. But at the same time, you also have groups that are preaching, preaching the word of God and, and trying to just uh, come alongside uh, these parents who are making difficult decisions, mm-hmm. you know, instead of calling them names or call, right. they're preaching God's word, telling them how special um, human life is, you know, that that we're knitted uh, in the, you know, God is knitting us together in the womb, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so um, there sometimes can be be uh, times where, you know, I think those groups are seeing, I, I've, I've watched uh, a lot of um, groups uh, reach those folks and, and reach the lost and, and they, they, they don't go through with it. And so you very clearly see a, a positive benefit there. A life mm-hmm. is saved, mm-hmm. you know, and, and who knows the impact that that has, you know, that that's unbelievable. And that um, has a lot to, you know, love plays a, 
a, a serious role in that, as you were saying. I mean, yeah. there's, there's different ways to do it. You could do it uh, judgmentally, or you can do it with love, which is what God calls us to do. Yeah, and, and I, I think you don't have to, to sacrifice your, your morals or your stand. It's not that you have to do that to do it in love and to do it without right. it. You can, because I'm, I'm, I'm adamant that you should not waver. You know, at least you can tell maybe my stance on abortion. <laughs> you know, um, you should not waver uh, on that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But you cannot, um, you know, let that stand be ter- turn judgmental and, mm-hmm. and just in your face. And it's like we're, you're just driving people to do the very thing they're, they're you're probably wanting to, to try to um, get them not to do right. right. So. Um, you know, just so much of, of our action, I think, is emotionally driven, and we just need to to, to really pray about that and have the Holy Spirit Amen. guide our actions. Amen. And you know, boy, I mean, what if we if we honestly could just believe that all Christians were, were doing this? Um, you know, what a what a world it would be. You know, <laughs> and that's where it's. Um, you know, it, it is discouraging even to me to, to look at the church today, the Christian church today is, you know, I, I see us sliding down a slippery slope where, you know, we're not willing to stand alone, not not willing to to enter the narrow gate, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we want, um, you know, our stances to be popular so that we're not having to make the, the difficult decisions. And so, um, you know, number one, like I said, the issues are absolutely connected to... Um, to, to kind of witnessing to others and just love and we need to lead people to Christ through these ministries not not push them away mm-hmm. well I I've actually thought about this question before we <clears throat> had decided to do this episode and and I had I had to question myself do I really think these acts are making a difference and I have to say to some degree, uh, I wonder. I wonder if they are. I mean, even when we vote, and I know I, I, I vote, and I think it's a good thing to vote, but I'm doing it because of my civil uh, responsibility, not necessarily because I think it's going to make a difference. I mean, I, you know, there's just so many. Uh, even when when our, our state or something, uh, you know, the ta- the votes are tabulated. I mean, it's it's the the margin is so grand that uh, you know my one vote probably didn't make much of a difference. And also, you know, when you're marching, let's say you're holding signs or you're doing a protest. I mean, does that is that really making a difference? Is your uh, presence there making a difference? After all is said and done, um, even if everything goes swimmingly in the way that we want it to go during one of those demonstrations, have we really accomplished the goal that we set out to accomplish? And sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, are we really making a difference? And so in doing research for this episode, uh, I think think I found some things that were uh, w- that would agree with that we are making a difference and some that would question uh, whether we are making a difference. And one of the uh, statistics uh, from Pew Research about social media in, sp- in particular, and we had we'd hit on it earlier, it says, in the past year, 34% of Americans have taken part in group or social media that shares an interest in an issue or a cause, while a similar, similar share, which is 32%, says that um, they have en- encouraged others to take action in a social issue that was important to them. But when they were asked how important social media is to them personally as a venue for public or civic engagement, only a minority of social media users describe these sites as personally important. So they say one around one out of 10 
uh, describe social media as very important to them in achieving these purposes, which leads me to question, I mean, is that really the right venue? Is it, I mean, is it really effective? Um, as far as marching is concerned, uh, or taking a stand in, in a, a public demonstration, uh, USIP.org says, uh, nonviolent resistance has shown has been shown empirically to be twice as effective as ar- armed struggle in achieving major political goals, which I can see that, but they only compare it to armed struggles. Um, I don't know about you, Justin, but uh, when you see marches or demonstrations, and I know there has been a lot in our news lately, and a lot of negative has been highlighted, such as rioting that has um, broken out by others who have either crashed that party or who was maybe broke out from that, those people. But um, what are your feelings toward uh, whether these things are effective? A couple of things there. And I, actually, um, you know, the, the, the marching and the protest, I, I think my, my, my kind of thoughts on that is actually shifting slightly. I don't think it changes kind of, but I'll get into that. So let's start with social media. Sure. First off, I'm definitely in the camp. <laughs> I'm not sharing my, my opinions, my views on social media. I've just never, as you kind of just stated with some t- statistics, I, I just have never seen it impact with um, regularity, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if, if it's not making an impact in a good way, I've seen it do more damage than good, well, then I'm just not going to go that Once again, doesn't mean I might not put in some comments. Uh, you know, it's the times where maybe I can um, chime in with, with uh, just encouragement or maybe a little bit of guidance, maybe kind of. Uh, in a, a thoughtful way, maybe correcting um, some fellow believers, that sort of thing, but not trying to call out people in social media. It's just, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of my take on social media. You know, on the protest side, uh, you know, I've never been in a march. It Kind of like the um, your comment about the vote, right? I mean, I, I think if we, we get together in big groups, does it make a difference? It does definitely, you know, as far as I think it makes more of an impact than maybe me putting in my one vote and right. feeling good about it. Um, but boy, the the line is blurred now with protests and how, how those are, are happening. Because I think it's, you know, because social media is linked with protesting and mm-hmm. and then um, just the ability to gather in different ways and, and organize, and I would say organize in not helpful ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about like doing anything illegal as far as, let's say, looting, burning, that sort of thing. That clearly is not anything we should we should be engaging in. But, you know, even even blocking traffic. Oh, I yeah. Don't believe right. that is helpful in any way, shape or form to get your message across. Mm-hmm. Um, you are you are, inc- you know, inciting people. You're not trying to have them to have a conversation where you can kind of kind of uh, give your perspective and maybe get some empathy from them, you know? So that's, um, that's a huge portion of it to me. The, the, the times where I've shifted, maybe not, not a complete 180, but started to, I think, uh, change my thinking on a subject has been the times where I've personally sat down with somebody and had conversations and understood their point of view from a different lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it goes back to my comments about civility. Yeah. It's like, we have to be able to agree to disagree, but learn and understand from each other um, and it would make a world of difference. And I think what I hear you saying there, and I'm going to keep coming back to this because I think that this is the core of this episode is doing it in love. I mean, whether you're demonstrating, um, is blocking traffic, are you doing that in love? Uh, when you're communicating with someone on a one-on-one, um, are you, are you doing it in love? Are you doing it to try and be right? Um, yeah. Jesus modeled for us how we are to engage believers and unbelievers. 
And uh, in both cases, his approach was different, but it always was in love. And of course, God is love. So we need to make sure that everything that we do is selfless and, and, and motive. And that can be hard because we get emotionally uh, uh, in charged about certain things. And, and as well, we should be because, um, you know, we are trying to protect and we are trying to um, do what the Bible tells us to do, to protect the innocent. Uh, but in the same vein, um, you know, nothing can, you, you can't get anywhere without love. Because that, without that, you you, know, you just got a, a door shut in your face. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, it's like uh, uh, kind of my commentary here. It's like I don't want anybody to believe that I'm perfect at this. I I, I know, <laughs> and I, you're probably all trying to call me out. Like, yeah, I know you don't do this perfectly. No, I don't do it perfectly too. I get sucked into those, um, you know, those debates and kind of, and that's where you have to be mature as a mature enough as a Christian, and, um, be able to just take a step back and see see that in yourself. Um, and just react in a different way. You know, I, the, when we take a stand, you know, if I, Scripture tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It doesn't say mourn with those who mourn and that they agree with you, right? Or, mm-hmm. or to only mourn for those that, you know, you're on the same side of and that you feel mm-hmm. bad. No, we're to mourn with those who mourn. And I can, you know, disagree with that person, but clearly see that there's hurt, clearly see that there's an opportunity to to um, love them and, and to, you know, uh, potentially even bring the gospel into their life, right? Yeah. And I look forward to the second half of the episode where we'll talk about the role of the Holy Spirit, because um, I think that is super important in uh, any action that we take. But when we come back, we will take a look at what the Bible says about Christians taking a stand to influence political or social change. We'll explore the role of the Holy Spirit in any of our efforts, and if it is our mandate to engage in political and social issues, we'll discuss what that says about our God. So stay with us. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Listen to half-hour episodes of the Christian Music Podcast online or download them to your computer or mobile device and take them with you. Discover independent Christian artists while exercising, commuting to work, doing chores, or any time you need to get your Christian music fix. Just go to ktfproductions.com and find the Christian Music Podcast link to access the Christian Music Podcast. Boldly proclaim your faith while also supporting the Hardcore Christianity Podcast. Find Hardcore Christianity t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, smartphone cases, pillows, mugs, and more. Just go to the Hardcore Christianity page at ktfproductions.com for links to the store. Today, Justin and I have been exploring the question, should Christians engage in political and social issues? In the first part of the show, we examined how polarized our nation is on moral issues. We shared some of our personal thoughts on our role as a believer to take a stand, and we talked about whether current efforts for political and social change has made a difference. But in this segment, we'll begin by taking a closer look at what the Bible says concerning our role in political and social issues. So, Justin, do you have any thoughts on what the Bible says 
on us taking our stand um, in political or social issues? Yeah, I mean, politically, I think we see examples in the Bible of, of you know, godly men and Christians, uh, you know, being in political roles. So, I mean, I, I don't think being in politics is, once again, counter to, to being a Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. We see Joseph in Genesis was, you know, second in command in Egypt. You know, after interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, he was promoted and um, had great power uh, in Egypt. If we look in Daniel, we see Daniel become, you know, a favored advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, while, while they were in captivity in Babylon. Um, you know, in Luke, we hear of Zacchaeus, who was a wealthy chief tax collector. You know, normally tax collectors were not looked favorably upon, you know. These were, you know, I almost used the term interchange, like sinners, generally. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, I mean, sinners of, of uh, another, another extent here. But, um, you know, he used his position for the poor, and he was doing it in an honest way. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we clearly see figures um, partaking in politics or partaking in government roles. So I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, social issues, um, you know, I, I think we uh, we see Jesus model how we should should react in a lot of different ways to, to social issues. But, you know, I go back to, um, you know, the, the how. How do we do these things? And, you know, once again, I think there's lots of scripture to very clearly tells us it doesn't matter who's in power. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what your stance is really on the—we're not to break the law either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Ezra 7.26, whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. So I mean, I, Romans 13.1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. First Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I think, once again, we're called not to break the law, and um, you know, I think that's something that's very, very poignant for right now. I mean, we, we see certain issues where there's almost an acceptance of, you know what, we're to the point where we need to, to get their attention, and, and it, if that means breaking the law, that means looting, mm-hmm. rioting, uh, starting fire, I, you know, if you believe that as a Christian, I would challenge you deeply to go look at Scripture because I don't think that's what we're called to do. Right. Um, otherwise, it would have, you know, it would have been spelled out. I mean, we there were plenty of opportunities in the Bible yeah. when they're in captivity in Babylon and exile. Yeah, go, you know, root, riot, loot, you know, try to try to fight back. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. no, that's not what Mm-mm. what uh, what God called them to do. Well, I find that uh, the Bible is somewhat silent on the actual content of laws. I mean, I agree with you. I, I, I found a lot of the verses that you had talked about as far as the political, the political stance, but it doesn't talk about whether the laws are good or bad. Mm, it talks yeah. about that you should obey the law because God has instituted it, uh, like what you said in Romans 1, uh, 13, uh, 1. But even 13, 1, uh, it goes on in verse 2 and 5, it says, um, consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And verse 5 says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. But also in Acts 5.29, it, it, it helps me to understand that, yes, we are to obey the law. As long as it's not in direct conflict of, of what God has instituted, because God's law supersedes man's law. Absolutely. It says, Peter and the other, and this is after they were instructed not, the apostles were, uh, disciples were instructed not to preach God's, Jesus's name. They said, uh, Peter and the others, uh, apostles replied, uh, we must obey God rather than human beings. 
So when it comes down to it, absolutely, we are to obey the law. We are to, if you don't like the law, we should change the law by voting and uh, doing what we can to change the law to more align with who God is. But when it comes to um, think those those laws that directly um, uh, go against what God wants you to do, um, in those cases, we, as Peter as says, as Peter says, we must obey God rather than human beings. And I'm not saying that to to have to get people um, to do uprisings or anything like that and to to disobey the law, but uh, prayerfully consider how God would want you to respond in certain situations where, if, at the very least, on the surface, it looks um, obvious to you that it is against what God wants you to do, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you walk through that situation. I mean, I think um, situations. You got to take them one at one at a time, and and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you as to how to handle those situations. But to me, it is clear in the Bible: yes, obey um, those in, in in authority. Yet, um, if if it goes in direct conflict of what of who God is and what God is calling you to do, then then that's really the only loophole. Yeah, and I, I think we've actually seen an example of that recently. You know, when we look at uh, the pandemic going on. Uh, you know, in some states, maybe restricting churches' abilities to 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 gather. Um, I know that's a, a this exact topic is um, you know being talked about uh, by by church leadership as to you know whether this is directly against God's word, mm-hmm. and so we should uh, you know go against maybe governor orders uh, or that sort of thing. And you know, it's it's tough in the case because you know on the flip side, you could also understand it's a pandemic, and so what short term clearly. Maybe that's what's in the best interest, but long term, yeah, mm-hmm. we need to be meeting as Christians, and and God calls us to do that as a church body, and so yeah, I would not uh, allow long term uh, <laughs> staying at home and that sort of thing. But uh, luckily, you know, I think at this point, it's it's churches are are you know doing well in the sense that we have technology uh, mm-hmm. just to be able to to still meet, um, albeit I, I'm personally. I want to be in person, you know, so that's, I'm, I'm looking for that. And ultimately, you know, all these issues, once again, goes back to, we, we maybe sound like a broken record, but, you know, uh, responding in love. Mm-hmm. And so even if you feel like churches should be meeting in person right this second, we should not be restricted. Um, you know, there's a way to go about that. And and, not, and I, I always use, uh, um, Ray Comfort is a great example. He's, uh, I've watched his, uh, uh, YouTube channel for quite a while, and and uh, for those of you who don't know Ray Comfort, he's um, the founder of Living Waters, which mm-hmm. is a, a ministry that really tries to to evangelize and seek the lost and and do it in a, a unique way. But um, he consistently will will do debates with um, you know very well known atheists, especially on YouTube, and uh, you know very heated debates. I would say on the the atheist side. Uh, he he does a wonderful job. Honestly, I I couldn't do the things he does as mm-hmm. far as staying calm and and you know uh, kind of debating the 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 points. But um, one of the things I found out that he does after some of those where uh, maybe they get a little too contentious on the other side, mm-hmm. he sends gift baskets. <laughs> and um, I've watched um, the channel of those atheists where they literally talk about receiving those gift baskets, wow. and they say. You'd think, well, he's just, you know, kind of throwing it in our face as a Christian trying to do that. No, I I can tell you multiple times I've seen where the the atheists uh, that do these uh, YouTube channels say, you know what? Uh, I hated that guy. I absolutely hated that guy. And I wanted to beat him in the debate. I wanted to. But I think this guy is one of the nicest guys. (laughs) And I think, I mean, you know, they always give it up to him like he believes 
what he believes and his actions back that up, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's just a great example where, mm-hmm. you know, just here you have somebody who could not probably hate him more. And yet, uh, you know, a simple act of kindness or love, I, I don't know whether those, those folks will ever be, be reached and maybe, maybe they'll change their minds, soften their hearts a little bit, but, um, boy, I, I think that's the way to react. Yeah. And I, you know, going back to the, uh, the whether we should be in church or not, and the the law saying that you know of when we should come back, um, that's another example. And I think that each one of these examples that it, it, that may be present, present themselves in someone's life should be considered through the Holy Spirit and prayer, um, because you know I, th- I my personal opinion is that God may lead a church to do one thing in one state and for one situation and different in another state and another situation in a different timing. Yeah. Whatever it may be, um, even if our heart and our desire is to be contentious and to fight back and to resist uh, the law, um, the Holy Spirit is the one that will give us the go-ahead and also, as you had alluded to, will help us to know how to do that correctly. So... Regardless of whether we think it's right or we should do it or the law is wrong, uh, my thought is allow the Holy Spirit first to tell you and to guide you as to how to move forward with that. Um, because I, I think sometimes we do move forward without <laughs> without considering what God would do using our own human fleshly um, desires, though they may have some righteous indignation attached to it. Um, the way that we need to do it and uh, when we need to do it uh, all can be um, led by the Holy Spirit. But as we talk about, that was just, uh, I just mentioned my my thought, uh, what the Bible I think says about the political issues, but on the social issues, um, there are three verses that I want to point out that uh, I think are clear indications of how we should respond, whether um, in a group as a church or even individually. In Psalm chapter 82, verse 3, it says, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for, right, for the rights of all who are destitute. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3-4 through four says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And those are just three verses that I picked out that I thought were um, that worked really well for this episode. But you will find this this uh, um, uh, idea this and you know strewn throughout the scriptures of how we are to respond and how God thinks of those who are destitute or in need. Um, I think He is calling all believers all of the time to be. To, to adhere to these verses, to defend the weak, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to think of others above ourselves. So, and that's what Jesus modeled for us, to serve and not to be served. So as believers, I think on social issues, to me, that's a clear, a clear uh, indication as to um, how we are to either um, help someone proactively or even reactively. Proactively meaning uh, figure out ways to help others. You know, look for ways. Try to um, to engage others in, in helping them. And reactive, when you find someone who is in need or, or, or um, is in trouble, help them uh, because you, you learn there's a need and you can fill it. So let's move on to our... The next question, which I kind of, we kind of talked about a little bit, uh, which is the role of the Holy Spirit when believers choose to engage in political, social issues. So what do you think the role of the Holy Spirit should be in our 
uh, just to, to, to tackle it a little bit more clearly. Yeah, no, I, I think you actually summarized it quite well a minute ago. You know, <laughs> I, I, we absolutely must pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide our actions. I mean, that's got to be kind of the first and foremost, uh, what we do before we react. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so easy to just fall into the trap of, you know, being emotional about the issue. And, you know, that reaction is, is going to lead to, to, you know, sin. It's going to lead to hate, lead to hate um, anger, um, broken relationships. Um, and once again, that, that can be with fellow Christians and, and non, non, non-Christians too. So, um, you know, I think a, a part of that is so much rooted in, um, you know, I, I think a doubt that God is sovereign. Like when we get so focused on an issue and we get angry about it, it it tells me there's a little bit of doubt in our mind that God is sovereign and is going to solve this Mm -hmm. and make all things right. Um, You know, and and (laughs) that's not correct. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we need to have that, that hope and that belief that God is sovereign over these issues. And we just need to be, um, be willing to be servants Mm -hmm. and, and, and react in any way that we're supposed to react and let the Holy Spirit really guide that, uh, you know, it's. It, I, I like how you said servants because sometimes we want to be to take charge yeah. as if we know what we're supposed to do, and we we think we know either equal to or better than God just because we've read the scriptures. But being a servant and being a tool that God can use is different than trying to just champion His cause and push something through. Yeah. No. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. One of the one of the scriptures that I read um, on this that really to me kind of spoke to the idea of the Holy Spirit's role. And this is not specific to uh, championing a cause, but I think if we use this verse um, as a template as to how the the Holy Spirit, how to react, how the Holy Spirit reacts in us when we allow him to, uh, Mark 13, 11 says, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So I think that once we allow the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us, because we're only human, and even in our best efforts, we may not have the right response. Even if we have the right intent, it might not go over well, because the Holy Spirit knows it all, and he can guide us in the correct way. So my thought on the Holy Spirit is that it's absolutely essential to involve um, him to actually allow him to, to have him lead you. Um, because when we, when we act in our flesh, when we act in our, on, on response, uh, is uh, emotional or our knee jerk or even righteous indignation that all oftentimes that is, could be counter, uh, what the Lord can do and will do. Sometimes you may be right. Uh, but the yeah. Holy spirit is saying, no, just be quiet and don't say anything. And that is counterproductive. And in your mind, you might be thinking, no, I have to say something, mm-hmm. but if we are allowed, if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, and if we pray beforehand, if we allow our heart to listen to what He wants us to do, then the right response will happen, the right um, solution or outcome will come about. And I think that that's what we need to do, whether on social media, whether yeah, uh, yeah. marching, whether making a decision as to how we should engage politics or social issues. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to be, I mean, I, 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 more than ever, we need to be a church that is willing to come to God in prayer and, uh, just, you know, being obedient to, to, 
to kind of what he has for us and, and not just be, you know, selfish and how we want to react and what we want and mm-hmm. how we want to do it. So, yeah, I, I just, I hope and pray that um, that we are a church, you know, as a, a global church, that, that we, you know, really look to prayer to, to help guide us, you know, through these times that are just so tumultuous. Yeah. Um, and- it's counter-human, it's counterintuitive yeah. to to not react that way, um, because a lot of things in the Bible is counter-human and counterintuitive, yeah. um, that we are to allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, it's for God to avenge when we want to avenge, or or to love your enemies, all of those things are not uh, natural for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, especially if we think we're um, mature, or or we're right, or we're, we're, you know, we're tight with God, and we know what he wants, uh, it's easy to want to to do what we think is right. And even uh, just to go ahead, we may be even on the right path, but we that our timing might be off and wrong. So yeah, all of that comes into play with the Holy Spirit. So what would you say to a believer who thinks that Christianity and political or social issues should remain separate? Uh, I'm always baffled by this. I, clearly, I believe they should mix. They do mix. I don't know how you can separate them. Um, and so I, I've just never understood how people expect, uh, let's say, a Christian politician to just put their beliefs aside to govern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christianity is a worldview, mm-hmm. just like secularism, just like atheism. Those are worldviews. I, I know those groups probably don't believe that they're worldviews, but they're absolutely worldviews. And so, you know, within that worldview, there is objective truth. So I don't know how you can, as a politician, go and govern, you know, just pretending that objective truth that that you have isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some statistics behind this, you know, there was a 2019 Pew study that said nearly two-thirds of Americans say churches and other houses of worship should keep out of political matters. Wow. Um, now, what that exactly means, I'm not positive if that means that the church as a, a body shouldn't get involved in, or if, if um, exactly, but, but the couple that with, you know, I think we know roughly 70%-ish or more uh, Americans identify as Christian. That means there are a lot of Christians today that do not believe, uh, you know, the, the, the church should be involved in political matters. Wow. And so that... That to me, once again, I, I'm baffled by that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to somebody who believes differently, because <laughs> uh, I just I don't understand that. Um, and there's a, a great quote. It was uh, you know from a, a Catholic bishop. He said, "Religion that does not interfere with secular order." We'll soon find out that the secular order will not refrain from interfering with it. <laughs> That's a good quote. And uh, boy, I, you know, I, I think we. We clearly see as some of our religious liberties are being chipped away. Absolutely, that I think is a very, very pertinent quote and um, something we need to think about. Absolutely, absolutely. And you think about as I mentioned the Holy Spirit, um, and I didn't put this in my notes or even question, but um, the role of of, of Satan and the spiritual realm, the of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, that plays a role too. I mean, there are so many things that are happening uh, beyond the flesh uh, that need to be considered. Um, one of my um, thoughts on uh, what I would say to a believer is that I know it's true that we are just strangers in this world and that we're supposed to live in the world but not be of the world, that this is not our home. But while we are here, we can choose to do what we can to make the world a better place. And and you know, even if they're not on board with a larger view of marching and voting and, and doing all of the, the major things where it takes multitudes of people uh, to uh, affect political and social activism, 
they, I would still encourage them to find ways to make a difference in the lives of individuals. Like I was saying, where my preference, I mean, my personal preference is to is to be able to see the change and to be able to uh, kind of understand where this is going and and uh, to help people on a one to one basis or or my organization to be a a, um, a, a different make a difference there, uh, those kind of things. So even if you're not on board with the whole social activism and change, at least um, every believer, I think, should be on board with the idea, as we pointed out in Scripture, that it is our responsibility as believers to make change in the lives of individuals. Yeah. But, you know, I agree with you, too. I do think that we do have a role. And if we don't, um, you know, join with the church, and I say the church because I think it's the church's responsibility, but sometimes it's just the lay people who rise up and start a movement or start something. And it's our responsibility to support them and to come on board and to uh, to, to be a part of that group uh, to make a difference, even if we can't see that difference. So mm-hmm. I would encourage mm-hmm. uh, believers to uh, to consider that, to consider being a part of God's plan. And sometimes it may not be our methodology, but it doesn't make it any less right or wrong. So if Christians should engage in political and social issues, what does that say about our God? Well, it goes back to something I said earlier. You know, I, I we have to remember that God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot be so focused on enacting change ourselves. I mean, clearly, like like we talked about, we should be be ready and willing uh, if that is what God is moving us to do. Um, but you know, we're so focused on you know. Who is president? Which party? Which political party is in power? Um, you know, and just actions we need to take. You know, mm-hmm. this this just goes back to especially we think of the president. Pre, you know, the presidential elections are always contentious, and mm-hmm. you know just how much energy that we put into those as as people. Um, you know, you think back to to scripture. You know, when the Israelites were just clamoring for a king. And they, you know, that's a rejection of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 God ultimately said, "Let them have their king," you know. And and so anytime, you know, people people kind of are are squawking about who's who's president. Yeah, I get it. I, I I have opinions too. But at the same time, I always kind of think, well, just just remember who is king. Amen. And you know, it's it's not the president. It's not Congress. It's not, you know, Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a hope in the real king, Amen. the one true king. That's a, that's a really good word. I would also add that uh, I think it really is God's will, as we saw in Scripture, that we should be concerned about the interests of others because God is concerned about the interests of others. He uses human beings to, do, to be his hands and feet, to, to exact his will on earth. Um, sometimes he does intervene supernaturally, but... Most of the time, I would argue, he uses human beings. And so if we are concerned with the needs of others as we are called to do, um, then I think that that just speaks to the heart of God. That speaks to mm-hmm. his heart. He wants us to look out for those who need to have a hand, to, to get help, or to have a hand, to have some love. Um, so on the social issue, that that to me is obvious. And then also, um, it, it just says to me about our God that he likes order, that he um, uh, um, has Put things in place to help us um, to, uh, you know, just to live our lives in this world. And so, I think that we need to come alongside His order of things and uh, and and believe what He has written in His Word, and to support that. 
so politically or um, socially, I think that we do have a role. And I think that that does say about our God that he cares about others. He cares about people and he wants to use his people to uh, make a difference in their lives. Yeah. So what are the takeaways that will help us become more hardcore in our faith from this episode? Well, you know, the takeaway for me, let me let me just, you know, quote from scripture. Jeremiah 29:7 says, "Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper." So kind of let me paraphrase that, you know, seek the peace of the city, not only because we're amongst people that we disagree with, but we cannot let it degrade our morals um, and who God calls us to be. You know, we see even Jesus, you know, the night he was arrested, tells Peter, you know, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Um, and so we just cannot live, I guess, in, you know, in, in a sort of contentious way, in a negative contentious way with, with um, people. We need to seek um, you know, the prosperity of, of, of the city in which we live and, and the world. So uh, just, you know, how we react matters, mm-hmm. absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. You know, and so let me, let me just kind of summarize, I guess, uh, to, to wrap up. I would focus in three areas. You know, I really, truly, I said it before, I think we need to pray um, as a nation that we would turn to God first instead of trying to fix uh, everything with our own actions. Amen. You know, we need to be a nation that seeks God first. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing I would kind of say is, um, and I think it's probably tough for even a lot of Christians today, we need to pray for our leaders. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you agree with them. It doesn't matter what your opinion is of them. We should be praying for our leaders. And lastly, we need to follow God's second greatest command, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, follow the first command, of course. <laughs> but uh, you know that's, we need to come, as we've been saying throughout this whole episode, uh, with love and understanding and a willingness to, to, to listen. And um, once again, uh, seeking God's will in all this and how we need to respond. And, um, you know, I think, I think we'd, be, we'd be better off. We'd be, we'd be more civil. We'd be all the things I think we all want. Mm. Uh, when you first mentioned that verse of scripture that you led off with, I had a big smile on my face because my uh, church is going through is is focusing on that particular scripture right now as we try and reach our city for him. So I thought that was just so apropos yeah. that you would mention that particular scripture, and I would just only add that uh, to remind us uh, what Paul reminded the Philippians that we should value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each of us looking to the interests of others. So I think I'll. I think I'll just end on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to thank all of you guys for listening to this episode of Hardcore Christianity, for spending time with us as we explored the question, should Christians engage in political and social issues? I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to join us next time as we explore another challenging topic from a Christian worldview. But until then, I encourage you to make every effort to keep your walk hardcore. See you soon. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hardcore Christianity is produced by KTF Productions. Thanks for listening, and God bless.